Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. And Shaq, it just went down this past Saturday, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje, another fight of the year candidate. And it's nice to see Dustin and Diamond Poirier get two back-to-back -back main event wins, this time over the number six guy, Justin Gaethje, and what a fight it was. Yeah, man, it was fight of the year, and we knew that was going to happen. Poirier brings it every time. Gaethje brings it every time. And shout-out to both guys. Gaethje, even though, you know, he is a punching bag, I mean, we have to thank him for uh, putting his consciousness on the line every time for our fans because uh, he always brings it, and all of his fights are exciting. You do have to watch him fight every single time. But uh, I'm happy for my boy Dustin. I think he deserves that title shot. He's the most exciting fighter in the division. I mean, what's the point in fighting Eddie Alvarez again? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're going to run it back, maybe run it back for a title one day down the line. But at this point, you know, I know why some people say that. Dustin doesn't deserve a title shot because they feel like Tony Ferguson might. But look, Dustin Poirier has had, what, 20 UFC fights? He's been in the UFC since he was just a kid. Give him give him his title shot already. Let's see what he's got. You know what I mean? Exactly, man. I mean, the facts are the facts. If you can name one boring Dustin Poirier fight, I'd love to know. Uh, well, uh, I can't. Maybe someone else can, but I definitely can't <laughs> because I've never been bored by a Dustin Poirier fight ever and he just keeps getting better every single time and you know people used to criticize him Dustin Poirier can't win main events well uh he's coming off two back-to-back -back main event wins Shaq yeah man he's beating Max Holloway he's beating Anthony Pettis and now we add Gaethje to the list and I mean this guy uh a lot of people forget man he upset Grisby back in the day so this whole uh Dustin doesn't win big fights thing uh was kind of a joke it was a complete joke. I mean, I think people really perpetuated that headline because, what, he was in main events against Cub Swanson when he was, like, 22 years old? Now he's a 29-year-old <laughs> grown man. Exactly, man. I mean, dude's been uh, fighting in the WC since he was 19 years old, and he's like a, he's kind of like a Jeremy Stevens case where, you know, these guys pay their dues. You know, they had some tough losses, some embarrassing losses, and uh, they came back every single time, and they uh, put their head down and they grinded and rose up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I love the mental fortitude, the resilience that he showed in that fight because I'll tell you this right now, you get hit in the leg with a, with a Justin Gaethje leg kick. And, I mean, this isn't like, you know, Joanna's little slap kicks against Rose last week that we were kind of laughing at. This is like Aldo and Barboza. This is serious shit. These are the kind of leg kicks where you walk around with crutches afterwards. And uh, my boy Dustin Poirier, he showed that championship heart, that championship merit. And uh, he got the fourth round TKO. Yeah, man. It's so interesting because when uh, Gaethje fought Michael Johnson, he was going to the uh, outside leg kick. But with Poirier, he was going to the inside. And Poirier, you know, claimed uh, he was totally prepared for the outside version. So it was uh, definitely impressive that he dealt with it. My oh boy, Gaethje's probably got some of the best low kicks in the business, if not the best. I mean, just the frequency and the volume of them. I mean, just be, he, I think uh, even though he's one and two, I think he's going to go on to break uh, some other guy's legs as he has in the past. Yeah, they just got to match him up carefully now because, look, you go to one and three in the UFC and, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's not going to have the same kind of appeal as it did when he first came in because he came in as a 17-0 and guy. Now he's 17-2, and which is still a great record. But you go one and three in the UFC, and we might have to see a Justin Gaethje against guys like Gilbert Burns. <laughs> hey man, it's the fight game, man. Things can change very fast. Eighteen and oh, now he's eighteen and two. But I think this guy's got the mindset uh, to win a few fights. I'd, I'd love to see him in there, you know, with a good six months off, come back and fight, you know, one of these young guys like uh, 
maybe a Lando Venata type of matchup or uh, a Hernandez or Felder, you know, towards the end of that top 15. But uh, I think uh, he needs to win a couple more fights. And, uh, you know, if he wants that James Vick smoke, like, you know, how he was saying uh, this week, he can get that when he comes back as well. <laughs> you know, he was talking, uh, he spoke my boy's name all week. When you got a fight with Dustin Poirier, you don't think about anyone else but Dustin Poirier, let alone James Vick. But now, if he really wants that smoke, I spoke with Vic right after the fight. He said he's down to take that fight in August. Yeah, man. And uh, we know James Vick is a top 10 guy that uh, has a hard time getting fights. And um, it's unfortunate because, you know, he should uh, be seeing some of the, the success that these other guys, he should be in the main events like Kevin and Edson. But uh, I don't know, man. Things just aren't coming his way. But he's just got to be patient. But hopefully, uh, Gaethje, uh, if he wants a quick turnaround or a long layoff, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm excited to see what, what Gaethje does, no matter what it is, whether it's a fight like Lando, which you suggested, which we all know would be a round of the year, because as you know, man, my boy Lando Venata doesn't have the best gas tank, but in round one, he's hell on wheels. So that would be round of the year, and I would expect Gaethje to eventually drown him. If Gaethje wants to wait and get his uh, head popped back a couple times by Vic in August, that works for me too. But for Dustin Poirier, I would say, listen, if they're not going to give you uh, Tony Ferguson, sit out and wait for that title shot. Yeah, I mean, I think Dustin, if if he doesn't get the title shot, I don't think he should uh, take the fight with Eddie. I think, look, Eddie's a great fighter, but, I mean, Eddie doesn't want this fight, and now he's in a position where he might uh, be having to beg Dustin for a fight. So, you know, it's it's uh, pointless in my opinion. I think Dustin should sit out and wait for the title shot, or if not, wait till uh, Tony Ferguson heals up. Like Khabib said, Tony needs to take another fight uh, because he pulled out. So if uh, Tony wants to take another fight, Poirier is his man. And uh, you think uh, you that would be a war or do you think it would be one-sided? Um, you know, Tony Ferguson's one of the tough guys in the game, but I've always thought that his uh, chin is diminishing a little bit. And, you know, one would counter me, oh, what about Dustin's chin? I think uh, Dustin's chin's getting better and better. Of course, you know, he's been knocked out a couple of times, but... You know, I'm, I'm going to say that second one was a fluke. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think a uh, good matchup, man. You know, if anything could happen in that lightweight division, but I definitely think Poirier has got the uh, edge on the feet in that matchup. So the co-main event between Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Carlos Condit. And, you know, shout out to my boy Alex Cowboy Oliveira for cashing the five-unit max bet. It was only two to one, you know, and he took the fight on short notice. He came through. Now, the definition of a max bet, Shaq, is when your worst-case scenario still wins the fight. And talk about worst-case scenarios because we did not expect Carlos Condit to get takedowns against Alex Oliveira. I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God, really, Alex? Like, are you serious right now? And I thought he was going to quick tap when he gave up his back. But all in all, our worst-case scenario didn't even matter. He came through and he cashed the max bet. Yeah, man, that's what happens. Uh, max bet season, your worst case scenario is should still be able to beat the guy, and our worst case scenario definitely happened and some. I mean, that first round, man, I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, a little worried, but uh, my boy Alex prevailed. I mean, just put it this way: Alex Oliveira wins a lot of fights. Man, what's his UFC record? It's like eight and three. Yeah, so I mean, uh, guy wins a lot of fights. Carlos Condit, I do think he could beat some guys actually, even though he's lost four in a row. I think he could beat some of the lower-end guys. Um, but uh, as far as uh, him being in that top 15, I think those days are over. 
And um, I'm I'm interested. You know, he's talking about Nick Diaz. Uh, does pe- do people really want to see that fight? Like, well, Nick Diaz ain't gonna I mean, fight ever again between you and me. So <laughs> exactly. You know. I mean, so uh, so um, you know, I think uh, Alex Oliveira is one of the most underrated guys in the division. Even though he did lose to Yancy Medeiros, I thought he ta- uh, took Yancy very lightly. But uh, Alex wins a lot of fights, and uh, thanks for catching that max bet. And uh, we're gonna be catching more max bets. Uh, you already know. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Use the promo code MATADOR, M-A-T-A-D-O-R, with a lowercase m, to save 15% off any package. And, dude, shout-out to the natural-born killer, Carlos Condit, because even though he's on a four-fight losing streak, I got to say, he showed up for this one, man. It didn't go his way, but he showed up in a lot better form for this fight versus Alex Oliveira than he has in recent memory against Neil Magny and Damian Maya. Yeah, man. Uh, he definitely shocked me. Like I said, I think he could win a few fights, man. Yeah, but when we talk about winning a few fights, you know, we got to be very selective about how, you know, if we're his manager, how do you pick Carlos Connett's next fight? I mean, are we talking, put him in there? When you when you say unranked, I mean, you know Zaleski is unranked, right? Oh, well, let's relax a little bit. He Don't, don't get him killed. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more of the... Uh, you know, the Muslim Salik offside or, you know, the uh, Tim Means type of matchups, you know, those those type of fights. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we mentioned a guy like Muslim Salik, but no one knows who the hell he is. And Carlos Conda is, you know, a main co-main event type fighter. And then on the other hand, you think about it from the UFC's perspective. Do we want to just build up our young up and coming talent like Darren Till and feed Carlos Conda to him? You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, they got a lot of options to work with. You know, Santiago could use that nice signature win on his record. There's a I'm lot of things Santiago, they could do. Uh, Santiago Pons is on uh, onto bigger and better things. No, absolutely. But anytime you get a victory over a guy like Carlos Conde, it just elevates your career to that next level. I mean, look at Alex Oliveira getting that 50K bonus. You know, for any other fight that went down as ugly as that one was, he ain't getting no 50K. But the fact of the matter is... He didn't just beat Carlos Condit, Shaq. He finished Carlos Condit. He took the fight on a week short notice. And you know for a fact now it's only going to be big fights for Alex Oliveira. Yeah, and that's the type of fighter Alex is. And Carlos has had such a great career, man. Former UFC uh, interim champ and the WEC champ. So he's uh, done everything in the sport. And, I mean, if he wanted to hang him up, that would honestly be the better decision just because, you know. But when you're making uh, those type of show monies, man, you got to come back. Yeah, I mean, he's got paid over six figures for uh, that <laughs> awesome fight, man. So, you know, I-, I can see why it's tough to hang it up. And as far as Alex Cowboy, I mean, who do you want to see him in there with next? Man, uh, that's a good question. Um, Alex Oliveira, like we said, he's, what, 9-3, and 8-3 and three in the UFC. Um, maybe uh, Alex Oliveira versus... Uh, I got an idea. Uh, how, about, how about the winner of Zaleski versus Sean Strickland? Or how about Alex Oliveira versus Max Griffin? Okay, that's a... You know my boy Max Griffin weighs about 230 pounds right now, right? Exactly. I mean, that's what happens when you uh, beat Mike Perry in his hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and prior to that, he got a 50K bonus with Zaleski. So, you know, Max Griffin ain't hurting for cash right now. But Alex Oliveira is the kind of guy that'll fight anyone, anytime, anyplace, as you know. So, you know, it's going to be a big fight for him next. I wonder if they go ahead and do Matt Brown versus Carlos Condit. It, it, they attempt to make that fight for the third time. You know my boy Matt Brown unfortunately pulled out both times. It's uh, quite unfortunate how it works out. But at this point, you know, we were kind of alluding to it on the on the preview show that 
Matt Brown vs. Carlos Condit is almost like a Bellator main event. And what I mean by that is that it's a Legends fight. You know, with Bellator main events, you, you know, Fedor vs. Mir next, next week. You know what I'm saying? It's like a retired Legends type fight. And that's what I see Matt Brown vs. Carlos Condit as. But then again, if they want to feed Carlos to the young guys, uh, we will keep taking advantage. Uh, and uh, we want to thank him for an incredible career. Now, man, that middleweight featured bout between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. We'll talk about the fight itself, but can you believe one judge had the audacity to score that for Marvin Vittori? You know, the judging gets crazier and crazier, man. I mean, some of these things uh, really amaze me these days. Um, that reminded me of Katzengano versus Kevin Vieira. I mean, if you would have bet on uh, Israel, I know you had a heart attack. That was a clear two rounds to one. I thought Israel butchered him the first two rounds and popped his head back and slipped and ripped him and stuffed all the takedowns, showed uh, that, like we said on the show last week, that he does know what he's doing when it comes to stuffing takedowns and getting back up. You know, the third round, Tory finally uh, got a takedown and won that round. But, I mean, if he honestly thinks he won that fight, uh, <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, he didn't win shit except the third round. And winning the third round 10-9 means you lost 29-28. So, yeah, I don't see at all how anyone could score that fight for Marvin Vittori. And Marvin's on social media complaining, acting like he's like, I watched the fight 10 times and and I think I won. It's like, bro, you didn't win a goddamn thing. You won the third round. You lost the fight 29-28. Now, as far as Israel Adesanya, look, I think these kind of fights are important for young developing prospects. You can't just go in there and steamroll every single person you fight. And, you know, let's not, let's not forget, he'd only been in there with guys like Melvin Gillard, who is not even in his weight class, guys like Rob Wilkinson, who, you know, we bring in Rob Wilkinson to come take an L real quick and, and build up our prospects. This was Israel's first real MMA fight. And when I say real MMA fight, I mean Marvin Vittori is, you know, the highest caliber opponent he's ever fought. This was an important experience for Israel Adesanya because I think moving forward, he's going to learn from that fight. He's going to come back. I think he's, I see him finishing a lot of guys in the middleweight division. It's just, you know, Marvin Vittori, like Israel was describing in the pre-fight, you know, he's got a, he's got a brick head. He's, he looks like a Lego man. You know, the dude's got an iron chin. He's tough to put away. So I don't really expect too many people to knock out a guy like Marvin Vittori, but I will say I was impressed with Israel Adesanya's performance. Yeah, man, Israel's uh, got a bright future ahead, you know. Of course, you know, he'll uh, take uh, his uh, first L down the line somewhat within here, uh, within the next year. But I think uh, he's one of the brightest prospects in the middleweight division. And, I mean, middleweight's got a, a lot of prospects. And, uh, you know, Israel did call out Brad Tavares after the fight. and uh, <laughs> Slow down. I, I think he needs to relax a little bit. And uh, But, you know, he did call out Brunson. And, you know, it's funny. People would think that's a little bit too much. But people forget my boy uh, Brunson's a first-round finisher. And uh, he can't go three rounds. But that fight's not going to happen anyways. I'm thinking uh, Israel Adesanya versus maybe a Gerald Merchard or a uh, Alessio DiCirico. Yeah, look, out of those two, I'm down with DiCirico more because we know that they would stand and bang until one man fell. And with Merchard, Merchard just has a way of finding a – you know, that submission. So I think they'd probably keep him away from Israel for now. But look, man, Israel called out Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson has been knocked out in what? Two of his uh, last four? So Derek Brunson runs in with his chin straight in the air. That actually has Derek the recipe Brunson for a great Anderson fight. Anderson Silva. He uh, <laughs> lost to Anderson Silva. In 2017. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think running in with your chin straight up in the air against a guy like Israel Adesanya is a recipe 
to get knocked out and not not to mention i know people will talk about Derek brunson's wrestling i mean when the, when the hell was the last time he used his wrestling when's the last time Derek brunson uh wrestled for three rounds uh, he doesn't wrestle for three rounds. He's a first-round finisher, like you mentioned. He doesn't really win fights that go to decision. He's a kill-or-be-killed type guy. So, I actually, I'm down with Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. Why not rush him a little bit? I mean, look, <laughs> let, let's, let's chill out with the Brad Tavares talk because, you know, he's not going to win that one yet. Maybe down the line, but not right now. But Derek Brunson, let, let, let's see that. I'm, I'm down with that. So, a- any closing statements on Israel versus Marvin Vittori? Not at all. So the opening bout of the main card between Michelle Watterson and Courtney Casey. Now, it's interesting because when we were watching the tape, you know, I was watching the tape on Michelle Watterson. Immediately I called you. I was like, Shaq, Michelle Watterson, uh, the karate hottie. It's more like the karate fraudy. You know what I'm saying? Like she has, she sucks, bro. I was like, we should probably fade her. But as you know, you got to put the work in. You can't just say you need to fade someone because they suck. You got to see what the opponent, you know, is working with. So then I watched the film on Courtney Casey, and then I call you right back 10 minutes later. I was like, uh, let, let, let's cancel that real quick because Courtney Casey is what we like to refer to as a habitual underperformer. She's the kind of fighter that doesn't fight up to her abilities. She finds a way to lose. She's one in five lifetime when fights go to decision. And she's constantly flopping to her back against people that can't even wrestle. I mean, so what was the last time you saw Michelle Watterson get single legs inside the inside the octagon besides uh, against Courtney Casey? Never. You only see her go for head and arm throws. And when Jessica Aguilar is taking you down, I was just like, yeah, I can't, I can't have my hard-earned money on someone like Courtney Casey because, like I said on the show, man, what's she going to do to find a way to lose this time? How's she going to fuck this one up? And guess what, Shaq? She fucked this one up. And I know people are going to blame it on the judges, this, judges, that. Listen, if you bet on Courtney Casey, you expected that to be a lot more dominant than it was. You thought Courtney Casey was going to go out there and absolutely steamroll Michelle Watterson. But as you know, because you listen to Half the Battle, Courtney Casey is an underperformer, a habitual underperformer. She found every possible way to lose that fight and to fuck it up. And she didn't do the job. And Michelle Watterson outpointed her. And it is what it is, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, she had her badly hurt, badly wobbled in the first. And, uh, I mean, instead of, you know, staying composed and picking her shots, uh, she found a way to go to her back like she always does. I mean, guys, if you don't watch that Jessica Aguilar fight, I mean, I mean, Aguilar was just grabbing basic single legs and dumping her every single time. It's just that Aguilar's a watching, a walking punching bag, and uh, <laughs> she's able to get that uh, decision. And I mean, she lost to Felice two rounds to one. She almost wins a lot of fights. She's the the Tarion wear of the Starway division. She's the girl that gets robbed. You know what I'm saying? And she wins a lot of fights, but but she loses, if you know what I mean. So. Uh, <laughs> It's uh this is the chick that gets weaseled Watterson weaseled her out in her hometown and like we said I mean she's so bad on the scorecards that she lost in her hometown so I mean listen to half the battle um Courtney Casey I mean who really cares uh Rochelle Watterson I want to see her versus uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah, I like that matchup as well. And then we can make the talks of fading Michelle Watterson again there and you know I'm so glad that you know we put in the work because look you know how Fight Pass has been fucking up lately? So now now you find out who really wants to win these bets because 
if five pass ain't working, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Well, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go to the illegal sites that you signed up to five pass, so you didn't have to go through illegal sites anymore. Well, now you got to go back to the illegal sites, and if you really want to win these bets, you still got to put in that work. So we put in that work. We found out that Courtney Casey is a habitual underperformer. She's one in five lifetime when fights go to decision. The trend continued here. So props to Michelle Watterson for weaseling that out. Now let's see her. Uh, you know, let's see uh, her versus Cynthia Calvillo. I'm down with that. Now, before we talk about these prelims, UFC Atlantic City is going down this Saturday. Edson Barboza versus Kevin Lee. Frankie Edgar versus Cub Swanson, the rematch. Going to be a hell of a card. And so far, April has been a hell of a month for us. Obviously, everyone knows about the night we had at UFC 223. You know, close to seven units of profit each. Undefeated night. And then we come back here at UFC on Fox, UFC Glendale, with a max bet winner on Alex Oliveira. And it doesn't stop here, Shaq, because now at, at Atlantic City, we have some big opportunities. And, you know, for a lot of people, this is the last UFC event of the month. But for us, it doesn't stop here because we got a max bet in Bellator next week, too. Exactly, man. Atlantic City is going to be uh, one of the, the next biggest night in history, uh, you know. I see easy money fights on the board. I hope everyone else sees them. Um, go ahead and hit us up in that email, bestfightpicks at gmail.com. When I say it's max best season, Dan, uh, what generally happens? Uh, it's, it's max best season. I mean, tell us, uh, when was the last time we lost a consensus max bet? I believe the answer is never, Shaq. Exactly. And, uh, that trend will stay the same this week in Atlantic City. Uh, I, I'm already seeing some frauds on this card and, uh, they will be exposed. As they always are. So make sure you guys go to bestbuypicks.com. Use the promo code MATADOR with a lowercase m to save 15% off any package. And uh, we're happy to work with you guys. Like we said, April is a huge month. Two events already behind us. Big results. And two more events because we got Atlantic City and the Bellator Max Bet next week. So can't wait to keep up these winning ways. And speaking of winning ways... Antonio Carlos Jr. defeated Tim Bosch in the very first round via rear naked choke. And, man, I got to say, this kid Carlos Jr., and I say kid, you know, he's only 28 years old. He's really coming into his own. And you know you know something, Shaq? He's won four of his last five fights inside the UFC via rear naked choke, and he's won five of his seven fights in the UFC via rear naked choke. He might, by the time it's all said and done, he might have the most rear naked choke finishes in UFC history. Yeah, man, Antonio Carlos Jr. is uh, turning the corner, like we said on the show last week. We know uh, Tim Bosch is a grizzly vet, but ever since Carlos Jr. lost to Dan Kelly, he said uh, the guy that fought Dan Kelly wasn't him, and he got the uh, issue fixed. And, you know, we, we, between you and me, we know Dan Kelly uh, beat his ass, but that's, that's, what hap that's, to, uh, that's what happens to young fighters, man, and they have to come back. So I think uh, Carlos Jr., should honestly be fighting uh, Uriah Hall next. I think Uriah Hall needs to be punished for missing weight against Vitor, and I think the best punishment is to uh, have him butchered in the octagon. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with that. And, you know, speaking of Dan Kelly real quick, just to get off topic for a sec, you know Dan Kelly's fighting Tom Breeze, and we all know Tom Breeze is going to be a heavy favorite in that fight, but you know, my question is, is Dan Kelly going to teach uh, Tom Breeze a lesson too? Um, you mean fraud Breeze? I mean, I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> so uh well, don't sleep on my boy dan kelly it's unfortunate his last fight with elias you know elias uh you know landed a bunch of kicks that really didn't hurt and he lost a, a decision in the his air <laughs> so uh it's unfortunate that he 
got weaseled and uh you know it's like we say on the show fighting like a pussy sometimes uh works out sometimes it does but sometimes it doesn't and uh one thing i want to say about tom breeze before we move on he pulled out of a fight with oluwali bangbose on fight day need i say more i mean he must have been really really injured yeah, that's all I gotta say. But look, as far as Carlos Jr., I, I like I like the matchup. I like what you're, I like what you're thinking, man. Uh, him versus Uriah Hall. You know, get him another matchup like that. Get him another win. Keep him moving up. Keep him developing. And I really like the progress he's making at ATT. Looks like uh, his stand up. Look, I'm not gonna say it's on the level of his jujitsu, but it's definitely improving every single time. I mean, we saw that fight with Jack Marshman when he went out there. He didn't just choke him out, Shaq. He embarrassed him on the feet first too. With Tim Bosch, uh, he made short work of him as well. Now it's time to take that next step up the ladder. So I'm excited to see what he does next. And as far as Tim Bosch is uh, concerned, look, you know how it works with Tim Bosch. He'll, he'll come fight in another six months from now, get that uh, six-figure paycheck. If they put him in there with a fraud, he'll probably knock him out. If they put him in there with a young up-and-coming prospect, he'll get choked out. So I'm still excited to see uh, what Tim Bosch does next. Yeah, no, Tim fights once a year, gets paid his six figures, and he, uh, he's on his way. Yeah, and I hope he has a nice uh, hunting trip now. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to my boy, <laughs> Tim Bosch. And uh, Muslim Salikov versus Ricky Rainey. Now, Muslim Salikov won via KO, but were you impressed with his performance? Uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's all right. Just put it this way. Um, his original matchup I definitely liked a lot better. Um, Muslim... You know, I think he is still old and on the tail end, but, you know, he got to do have a nice little front-running performance against uh, Ricky. It was a beautiful combo, make no mistake about it. It was, uh, it was a, a stiff KO, and my boy Ricky Rainey uh, had to learn the hard way in his UFC debut, just like Muslim did. And uh, I'm interested to see who Muslim fights next, man. Uh, I want to see Muslim Salikov versus Danny Roberts. Yeah, I like that, but Shaq, I want to go with the original matchup, man. I want to see Razak Al-Hassan versus Muslim Salikov. That's what Sean Shelby originally had. That's what I want to see. I know if Razak pulled out of a fight that he had to be injured. And, you know, I, I have big plans for that fight. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but uh, I'm sure you know you know what I'm thinking. But look, man, that's the fight I want to see. Muslim Salikov versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. As far as Ricky Rainey is concerned, look, he took the fight on short notice. He'll get another chance in the UFC. I mean, do do we put him in there with a guy like Yushin Okami? Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, Ricky Rainey, uh, man, it's going to be, he's going to have a tough career. I feel like, uh, Shelby's probably going to try to pawn him off as, uh, the guy they feed to, you know, all these guys, good guys coming off losses, you know, <laughs> Carlos Cotter versus Ricky Rainey. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they're <laughs> going to try to set him up just like, I feel like they're going to probably try to use him like Terry on in that division. You know what I'm saying? Just have him fight all these, uh, guys that will probably fall up short against. But, I mean, Ricky Rainey, uh, he's no slouch. He's still no slouch, in my opinion. If if uh, he wants an easy fight, he can fight Oliver Encamp. Did they not cut my boy Encamp yet? I hope not. <laughs> you know, because uh, we were trying to set up uh, Jared Gooden versus Oliver Encamp in the NFC. You know, get, give Georgia's number one welterweight the biggest win of his career over the UFC vet, who we've been saying for a long time is a complete fraud. But if they kept Oliver Encamp in there... And they want to do a loser leaves town matchup. How about uh, Ricky Rainey versus Endcamp? I'm down for it. Why not, right? Yes, sir. So flyweight matchup between John Moraga and Wilson Hayes. Now, before we talk about the fight itself, how, how did you score this fight, Shaq? Um, I, I scored it two rounds to one. 
the thing is when I score fights, I, I score it on the, the way I feel like it's going to be scored. Like, you know, I score it my, my personal way. I had it two rounds to one Moraga, but I'm just going to say Moraga was very fortunate to win that decision. He's lucky the fight wasn't in Vegas, but props to John Moraga. All that matters is uh, getting your hand raised, and he got redemption in his hometown, but he did exactly what uh, we were afraid of, Dan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got taken out, what, eight to ten times. He went to his back a million times throughout the fight, but he still found a way to win. You know, he landed the hardest shots on the feet, and shout out to Wilson Hayes because he came to fight. You know, a lot of people weren't aware, and I wasn't aware either, but I found out during the broadcast that you know, his brother was unfortunately killed earlier this year. And, you know, Wilson was fighting with a very heavy heart. And you could see that, man, just throughout the walkout, throughout the fight itself, the way Wilson was fighting, you know, he had a lot of fire in there. He really wanted that win. So, you know, hats off to, to Wilson Hayes, man, because he came to fight for sure. I think John Moraga definitely won the first round. I think Wilson Hayes definitely won the third round. It all comes down to how you scored that second round. I feel like John Moraga slightly edged it out. So I agree with the 29-28. And man, John Moraga goes from being on a three-fight losing streak. Now he's on a three-fight winning streak. How quickly things can change. Yeah, I thought it was the other way around. I thought the first round was the round that was in question and that Moraga clearly won the second round. Yeah, but either way, we both had a 29-28. And how about the career turnaround for uh, for Chicano John? Yeah, you know, from three and a, three L's in a row to three wins in a row. And, you know, he called out Sergio after after the fight. I, <laughs> relax, I kid. He, I think he needs to relax. What I really want to see is uh, I want to see Moraga fight one of these young guys. I mean, you know, his three losses were to young guys like Sergio and uh, Mateus Nicolau. And uh, we already know what would happen if they ran that back. So I'm thinking he should fight the next young guy. And how about my boy Davison uh, Figueredo? Oh, I like that a lot. Wasn't there someone we wanted to feed to Davison to get a quick win real quick? I, I don't even uh, remember. That, Dustin Ortiz? Oh, yeah. That would be a nice win for Davison. But we all know uh, Dustin's trying to avoid that one at all costs because he doesn't think he could dry hump Davison. So, yeah, I'm down with John Moraga versus Davison. But what I was thinking, man, how about you put the two hardest hitters in the flyweight division against each other? And what I'm talking about is, what about John Moraga versus Ryan Benoit? I mean, wouldn't that be a good old-fashioned slugfest? It would be. Two hardest hitters in the division. And uh, even though my boy Benoit in the, in the skill department might be lacking across the board, uh, he's definitely not lacking when it comes to power. I'll just say this. One of them uh, knocked out my boy Serge. Exactly. One of them knocked out Sergio Stiff. So, yeah, I'm thinking Moraga versus Benoit. That would be a hell of a matchup, so I hope they make that. And middleweight division, Brad Tavares versus Christoph Jocko. Man, Brad Tavares, he got his... I've been, I've been <laughs> saying for a long time, Brad's serious. Look, I know he had a little bad stretch when he got knocked out by Bush and Rob, but look, man, he took his time off. He came back, and I mean, honestly, in my opinion, he ain't lost a round since he's been back. Yeah, he's been looking the best he's ever looked. You know, that was his first knockout since he uh, put away Phil Baroni on the Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard card a long-ass time ago. And to put away a guy like Christoph Jocko, I mean, it says a lot. And, man, Christoph, you know, from going 19-1, and you know, we were hyping this guy up because, look, you have a 19-1 and record. I mean, that means you find a way to win. That means you are a consistent winner. That means you're someone to look out for. Now he's 19-4, and four, Shaq. Now he's lost three fights in a row, his last two by knockout, and it's just crazy how unforgiving the fight game truly is. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. 
some guys just get the short end of the stick, and that's what's been happening for Jocko lately. Yeah, man, it's a uh, pretty it's crazy how the line went from minus two fifteen to plus money on fight time. Uh, pretty much everyone went against Brad, and I mean, it was kind of hard to understand why, but. You know, Brad Tavares, it was a clear setup on Shelby's move. I, I mean, it was pretty evident that uh, he was mad about Kristoff losing to Uriah Hall. And uh, he gave him Brad. And Kristoff, man, it's unfortunate because, like you said, he was at one point. <laughs> this guy was plus 200 against Tamden McCrory at the time. And Tamden was the hottest thing in the middleweight division. And Kristoff uh, knocked him out stiff. And he just seems to have him. He kind of abandoned his game, man. He, he got away from what made him good. And it's sad. uh that he adopted this new style, but I don't know if he gets cut. I, it wouldn't shock me if he uh, was in KSW in a few months. And uh, but if he doesn't get cut, man, who uh, who should he fight? Let me ask you this: You think at this point, Kristoff could you know beat someone like Elias who completely avoids the fight? I, I'm I'm not convinced, bro. Like, and I haven't been convinced <laughs> since the Dave Branch fight. Like. The Dave Branch fight really worried me because it was like I thought we were gonna, you know, butcher Branch on the feet and like Branch was like jabbing us and it was fifty fifty. It really worried me. So, you know, I, I don't know. I've just been seeing steady decline. He he's looked worse and worse and worse in each of these three fights and uh it wouldn't shock me if he was in KSW. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean it's just I don't understand why he abandoned that footwork that you know, we used to say, man, that Jocko footwork. And then we saw a guy like Jack Hermanson come out with that same style. And it's really effective. I don't know why Jocko abandoned it. But look, man, all the credit goes to Brad Tavares. I thought there was going to be a speed difference in this fight. I thought Kristoff was going to be able to run circles around Brad. Brad completely shut that down. Obviously, we know about the leg kicks of Brad Tavares. But look, man, the way he set up that right hand is killer instinct. He put him away. And man, I... We got to give Brad Tavares a big fight next. Look, I know he called out Michael Bisbing, but as you and I know, Shaq, Bisbing ain't going to take that fight. Bisbing is only interested in, you know, legendary type fights. So what do you think's next for Brad Tavares? I mean, we were talking about Brunson earlier, man. I think that's a good matchup. I think that's a great matchup for Brad. And I've always thought that Chris Weidman was a good matchup for Brad as well. I think uh, those are favorable matchups for him. And, you know, people would say I'm crazy for saying that, but I, I truly believe that. I think Brad is top 10 and i think he's a bad matchup for a lot of guys because brad really doesn't have any weaknesses i like that wideman versus uh, brad tavares match man because look we know brad tavares takedown defense is on point when guys have beat brad tavares in the past you know besides the aaron simpson fight or the yoel fight it's been by knockout and we know chris wideman holds one of the most legendary knockouts in ufc history when he went out there and knocked out anderson silva at ufc 162 and Chris was also recently on a three-fight skid. He rebounded with a win over Kelvin Gastelum. So both guys coming off wins. Both guys coming off finishes. I believe both guys coming off third-round finishes. I'm into it. Sign me up. Brad Tavares versus Chris Weidman. May the best man win. I'd be very curious where they'd line that fight as well. Yes, sir. Now, fight pass prelims. Gilbert Dorinho Burns versus Dan Murray. And... Look, man, Gilbert Burns, now he's coming off two straight KO wins. And, you know, people are talking about how, oh, he's this striker now and this and that. And it's like, look, man, he beat two guys that, you know, and no, no, not to discredit his, his wins, you know, because he has been getting better. No, ben, but ben, if, ben, if you ben, think he's going to go out ben. there and knock out someone in the top 15, you've lost your damn mind. We, we are going to discredit his wins. <laughs> go ahead. 
And, uh, you know, look, he, he did his thing. He's he's out there front running these last two fights. And, you know, he, if he really thinks he wants this OAM smoke, he can come and get it. But OAM's on the bigger and better things. OAM's in that top 15 now. And, uh, look, I mean, he fought Moret, who's got three losses, and he beat Jason Sago. Like, you know, <laughs> What else? What else has he done? You know, he he did beat Alex Cowboy, but let's see, let's see Gilbert Burns in a real fight, man. Let's see Gilbert Burns in there first, a James Krause or a uh, or a uh, who else is coming off a win? Um, you know, my boy Leo Santos just got matched up with Nick Lentz, right? And uh, that's gonna be a good fight, and I'm I'm glad to see my boy Leo's back in that cage. Uh, Nick Lentz, Nick Lentz wins a lot of fights, so it's gonna be a good fight. You know, Leo Santos and, is an uncrowned uh, top fifteen guy. It's actually kind of disgusting about the top 15 right now, by the way. Um, Felder's on there, but the guy that finished him, Trinaldo, isn't? Like, what? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of disgusting. But Gilbert Burns, you know, he's out there front running. But props to him. He's going out there and performing like a minus 630. Like a minus 630 should by knocking his opponent stiff. But I think he needs a real fight next to truly see where he is. Because uh, don't forget, every time this guy has a real back and forth uh, back and forth war he uh, kind of falls yeah 100% that's why you know I'm trying to see him in there with someone serious and look OAM doesn't need to take that fight because Gil O'Reilly pulled out the fight once before on fight week so I can see OAM being like yeah I'm beyond that I just knocked out Evan Dunham I'm good but what about my boy Alex Hernandez you know coming off that knockout win over Benil Dariush I understand that's way beyond where Gilbert is but still he's only one to know in the UFC why not build him up and get him another win? Let's see Alex Hernandez versus Gilbert Dorino Burns. I think that'd be a great matchup. Yeah, that's a good fight as well. And, you know, Gilbert was also supposed to fight Lando. They uh, they could do that as well. Yeah, no, I like that Lando matchup too. It's just interesting because we know the deal with Lando. It's first round finish or bust. So, you know, first round would be a war. But if Gilbert somehow survived, uh, I think Gilbert would come back and win that fight. I wish Lando could get those cardio issues in check. Because if he does, he's a very dangerous guy. Now, we don't have to talk about Mueller versus Dobson or Okami versus Lima, but what I do want to talk about is Adam Weishrek versus Arjan Bueller. Now, real quick, Shaq, this line opened minus 150 Arjan Bueller for a reason because, you know, it's a close matchup on paper, and then it got steamed to minus 400 Arjan Bueller. What's the guy done to deserve a minus 400 next to his name against Adam Weishrek? Now people are calling it a fluke. Did you know that six of nine of Adam Vicharek's wins are via submission off his back, Shaq? Yeah, man. He, he does. Uh, it's definitely not a fluke. I definitely thought Arjun would uh, get the win. Just thought he was going to be more physical. And I thought he was going to build a lead on points just due to, you know, Adam's style of flopping to the back. And, you know, pulling off those subs is uh, very hard to do. But it was definitely no fluke because uh, that's what Adam does. I mean, Adam on the local scene goes to his back and he submits guys. So, <laughs> That's uh, that's what he does. I think Arjun's the better fighter, but you know, my boy Adam is a opportunist, and he uh, that's what he does. If you go on his guard, you know, he's like one of these Manny Bermudez guys. You know what I'm saying? He's got a gimmick, and he uh, beats a lot of guys with his gimmick. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, that was the first uh, Uma Plata in heavyweight history. The second Uma Plata in UFC history. First one belongs to Ben Saunders. And look, if you bet on Arjan Bueller. 
and you're surprised or you're calling this a fluke, you didn't put the work in because if you put the work in, you would have known Adams won six of his nine wins via submission, most of those off his back. So why would you be surprised when over 66% of his wins are via sub that he won via sub again uh, Saturday night? Yeah. That, that's just my opinion. And it opened minus 150 for a reason. Got steamed to minus 400. Why? Because DC said that uh, he's a good wrestler. You're going to let that kind of hype train affect you? The guy beat Luis, <laughs> Luis KLB Henrique, and now he's minus 450? Like, that's what you, you know, call a hype train, me, Shaq. It reminds me of when they said uh, Henan Barrow was training at ATT for the Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. And? <laughs> so? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a complete joke, but they got to learn their, their lessons somehow. And speaking of learning lessons, how many times are they going to count out my boy Alejandro Perez? I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, he's 7-1 in the UFC. Officially, he's 6-1-1 one one with the one draw. And, uh, man, he didn't just go out there and beat a top 15 guy in Matthew Lopez. He went out there and finished Matthew Lopez in under two and a half rounds. There was definitely uh, no weaseling going on this time. My boy Alejandro's uh, the Mexican finisher now, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> um, but make no mistake about it, he will weasel. and he uh, Just trust me about it. He's still got some more weasel performances in his tank. And, I mean, guys, how long have we been saying keep an eye out for Alejandro Perez? We've been saying for how long, Dan, this guy wins a lot of fights. His only loss is a fluke, if we're being honest. And, I mean, the guy's really – Let's just act like he's undefeated in the UFC. I know Patrick Williams finished him, but let's just act like that didn't happen, guys. Yeah, no, and, uh, 100%. I mean, and, uh, I mean, like, bro, he wins pretty much every fight. This guy is the type of guy that gets dropped twice in rounds and still wins that round. He knows how to get every round back. The first round was a little rough. We knew Lopez hits hard. He's explosive, solid wrestler. But like we said on the show, his cardio is in question. And, I mean, he came out in that second round, and, I mean, right away, uh, we could tell that fight was over and that uh, Alejandro is going to be able to uh, at least uh, keep his distance and just pick him off. People really underestimate how high the talent level was on that first season of Tough Latino America. I mean, look at the guys that produced. Alejandro Perez versus Jose Teco Quinones in the finals. I'm talking about guys like Yair Rodriguez, guys like Gabriel Benitez, all the... All these guys I'm mentioning, most of them at least, are top 15 guys now. So that season of the Ultimate Fighter produced some high-level talent. And now you see Alejandro and Teco Quinones, the two guys that fought in the finals of that season, their uh, UFC careers are prospering. I mean, yeah, man. You know how these, how, how much uh, MMA means to the country of Mexico. I mean, when they made it to the finals, they were fighting each other. But they were hugging each other and crying because they made it. They made it all the way from the local scene to the UFC, and now look at them. Yeah, absolutely. So now, and you know, we also made a comment. Shout out to Matthew Lopez; he's a good fighter. But we we made a comment on the show, like, how is this kid top fifteen? Because he beat Mitch Gagnon and Johnny Eduardo. If you haven't figured out how to beat Mitch Gagnon and Johnny Eduardo, I don't know what to say, Shaq. <laughs> and uh, the facts are just the facts. Yeah, it is what it is. So I'm really looking forward to Alejandro's next fight, and you know. Speaking of the weaseling, because, you know, he did get a finish this time. Look, you start to gas out on a guy like Alejandro Perez. Don't be surprised when uh, he turns up. I mean, they call him Turbo for a reason. So, well, don't be surprised when he puts you away. But if you do have the cardio to last three rounds with a guy like Alejandro Perez, you know he's going to win that decision, Shaq. Oh, yeah. And you, and you will be upset about the decision. You will think you have won. You know, it will be labeled as a robbery, and Alejandro will get his hand raised. 
So, look, what's next for Alejandro? I know he called out Eddie Wineland. I was kind of wanting to see my boy Tomas Almeida get back on track and get that Eddie Wineland fight. But if it were up to you, Shaq Shelby, uh, who you got next for Alejandro? Man, my boy Alejandro uh, keeps winning. He definitely deserves his chance at the top 15. Uh, who's available in that top 15? You know, that, that's, a, that's a great question. That's something that I'm going to look up right now as we're recording this. Because there's so many opportunities, and as I look at the rankings, you know, we see a guy like John Dotson, and between you and me, we know John Dotson wouldn't take that fight because, you know, John Dotson likes to pick about, his fights. How about, uh, how, about, how about Alejandro Perez versus Pedro Munoz? Sounds like a hell of a fight to me. Yeah, that, uh, that, would, that would be a serious they can, battle. They can do it in Mexico or Brazil, and, you know. May the best man win. I, you know, I love both those guys, so I'd definitely love to see them go to war and see who the best man is. And, yeah, great matchup. So the curtain jerker, Luke Sanders versus Pat Williams. And, you know, we got this one wrong. I thought for a fact, you know, this one's going to end under one and a half. There's no way this fight goes the distance. And, you know, both men got dropped. Both men wobbled. But somehow they both survived and it went to the final horn. And, you know, I got to say, very underwhelming performance by Luke Sanders. A little bit better performance by Pat Williams. He was able to go the three-round distance. Uh, that was the last fight on Luke Sanders' contract. And as you know, Pat's, you know, my boy Patty Ice has lost, you know, a million fights in a row now. So you think either of these guys see that next uh, UFC call again? Uh, I don't think so, man. I think, uh, you know, I, you know, it's unfortunate that we uh, lost that bet. But, you know, I thought Patrick, even though I, thought, I still think he's one of the worst fighters on the roster, he actually did make a, a couple improvements, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, Luke Sanders, man, like, bro, who really cares? Like, you're 2-2 two and two in the UFC. You lost to Andre Sukumtach. I mean, of, who, he can win a couple fights here and there, but he's going to be a 500 fighter. I mean, I don't see what's the point to, you know, committing, like, a big deal to him or anything. Yeah, I 100% agree, you know. Uh, it, was a, it was a bust. It was what it was. Came into the UFC with a great record. Everyone was hyping him up, and it uh, turns out he's a fraud. <laughs> I mean, he lost to Andre Sukumtach. Yeah, that, that's all I got to say. But if they do keep him, let's see uh, Luke Sanders versus Albert Morales. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who you got in that fight? Uh, Albert the Warrior Morales. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How about, how about, Luke, how about Luke Sanders versus uh, Benito Lopez? Yeah, exactly. You know, get Benito a nice little second UFC win in there and get him back on track, you know, two in a row. I'm down with that as well. And I think this is the last of my boy Patty Ice. Yeah, Pat, uh, I don't think uh, fighting's his uh, first uh, job in life. Yeah, and it is what it is. Well, Shaq, it was good to recap, uh, you know, UFC Glendale, Poirier versus Gaethje, amazing card. But, you know, the grind doesn't stop now because these odds – for UFC Atlantic City, you know they're going to drop in the next day or two. We got a big card ahead of us. UFC Atlantic City, it's going down this Saturday. Lots of opportunities. And we're going to close out the month in style. Like we already mentioned, 2-0 on events in April already. About to make it 3-0, plus the Bellator Max Bet next week. They got to go to bestfightpicks.com. They got to use the promo code MATADOR to save 15% off any package. And uh, let's cash these fucking bets, Shaq. Yeah, man. Easy money. There's nothing better than... Being out, getting the play from Dan and Shaq, looking back and seeing easy money in your uh, Five Dimes account or your or your Bovada account, whatever account you use, we get the job done. When I say it's max bet season, it's going to win. Pull out your money and uh, lay it down. I had some clients put big money on uh, Alex Cowboy this weekend because they B trust big me. Big money. Know when I 
Big money. I'm talking big money. Money that was making me sweat before the fight. You know what I'm saying? But when my worst case scenario still beats you, that's when it's a max bet. And that's why we win all the time. 100%. No one does it better than us long term. The facts are the facts. Go look up our records. Bet MMA tips. Capper Tech. You already know what to do. You already know the deal. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Sign up right now. Use the promo code MATADOR. Save 15% off any package. We will see you in the winner's circle. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow our Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official. Shaq, any message for them before we talk in a couple days? Sign up, bestfightpicks at gmail.com. And uh, we'll get the we'll get the job done for you this weekend, guaranteed. Absolutely, and it's just uh, the winning ways will continue. I'm very very excited. We will have uh, our UFC Atlantic City breakdown up in the next few days, so make sure you stick around for that. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.